they were like, hey, here's where you live and you died here and we're just going to close that up and that is it. And like, I relate to this because like, I have a 3% interest rate on my mortgage. So like, I might as well just be buried in this house. (laughs) I'm never leaving it. (laughs) I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. Our substitute sister is Amy Manlapis, who has a master's degree in history and is now a high school history teacher. So she is very brave. I got to know Amy through TikTok where she makes videos about a variety of subjects, including historical and some spooky and some sciencey ones. And specifically your bio says like, I talk to teens about death or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I talk to teens about dead people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of like my whole brand. I assigned my students at the start of the year this book by Kat Jarman about um, Vikings called River Kings. And in the first chapter, there's like child murder, cannibalism. (laughs) And like, I'm not thinking anything about it. But like the kids that don't know me, apparently it was discussed. And they were like, no, that's just Amy. It's fine. (laughs) That's just how it is. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add to introduce yourself? I would love for you to like let people know upfront where uh, they can find you on TikTok. And we will definitely link that in the show notes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you can find me on pretty much every social media. I'm chronically online. Um, my last name is Man, M-A-N, Lap, L-A-P-A-S. Um, but you can also find me at amyelizabeth.net. And that's where I link all my socials. But yeah, uh, come by. You can put in some requests for like history content. Right now I'm teaching about um, medieval and early modern Asia. But I also do other stuff, too. I have on occasion taught American history as well. So, you know, I can I can talk about a wide variety of things. Good. And I guess I don't really know how like a master's degree in history work. Did you specialize in a specific area or is it more broad? Yeah. So my specialization was in world history. And like the funny thing is that a lot of people don't realize that world history is like a separate subject unto itself because it's meant to be like cross-cultural and comparative and sort of looking at the world as an interconnected system going like all the way back to the very beginning. Um, Not quite like big history, which is a whole other topic that I would love to talk about. But yeah, so I specialized in grad school in world history. And then my focus was kind of like empire building and imperialism. And my areas of focus were Japan and the United States. But I've since pivoted back to kind of my roots talking about the Middle Ages and kind of the medieval world. Okay. Yeah. And it's fun. So I guess I've been burying the lead and sort of talking about this a little, but in this episode, we are going to talk about the history of death and burial, which unsurprisingly is a very broad topic. So this is not comprehensive by any means, but we are going to go all the way back to the first identified burials of Homo sapiens and 
potentially those that came before us. Before we get to dead bodies, though, (laughs) we'll do something spooky. So I can go first since you are a guest and, you know, I'll break the ice for something spooky. But my something spooky isn't actually something spooky that happened to me because like I think it rarely does anymore. This podcast has jaded me, but it is very Mm -hmm. much that there's a severe lack of Halloween decorations at my house right now. I would normally have the whole place decked out. The outside would be going and things have just been like crazy and busy and I haven't had enough time, but at least it is Friday the 13th right now. So I'm happy about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely, I was in a similar boat too. It just seems like, I don't know, September and then like the first couple weeks of October have been so busy. So yeah, that is definitely spooky (laughs) not getting to decorate for Halloween. I know. Yeah. We've had like back-to-back trips and stuff going on and October was the busiest of it all. So I don't, I at least need to get the outdoor stuff out because we have like a neighborhood reputation to uphold. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I love that do you have those like giant skeletons or anything I do not have a giant skeleton I was thinking of buying one this year and then like couldn't because of said like all these trips that we were going on couldn't bring myself to spend the money on one but we do have a 10 foot inflatable beetlejuice sandworm so there's that That is amazing. Um, I love that. There's when I drive to work, there's someone that has like a Halloween nativity kind of thing set up. (laughs) And honestly, like Atlanta, Atlanta really does not play when it comes to Halloween decorations. And I really appreciate that. Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Yes. So what's your something spooky? What what has happened to you recently that you would classify as spooky? (laughs) So I would say that there was like potential for spookiness. It did not happen, but it like gave a really weird spooky vibe. So I'm the senior class sponsor where I where I teach school. And we took, you know, like 120 kids to the woods on the fall equinox. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. And that and that just like felt kind of spooky because, you know, we're like out in a rural area. We're at like a camp and we're in the woods and I'm the responsible adult in charge of everyone, which is always <laughs> just kind of a spooky feeling when like you look around and you go, oh, who's in charge? And then you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm in charge. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I'm I'm the adult. <laughs> yeah yeah it's scary <laughs> yeah so that was that was a little eerie um but I, yeah. I made it through thank goodness good <laughs> yeah I've only taken uh college students on trips which I think is still like yeah it is still a little scary to realize like oh god I'm responsible for all of these people but I think yeah. it's less scary than taking high school students on yeah trip. and Well, and it's so funny because like I've taken students out of the country like we, you know, like we've been to Asia, we've been to Europe, but for whatever reason, there's something about like being in the woods that just (laughs) makes me think like, oh, this is where I'm going to like see Mothman. Um, I loved your Mothman episode (laughs) last week. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was so excited uh, to listen to it. It it was everything, you know, I'm like, I'm going to see a ghost and then I'm going to be stuck seeing ghosts forever, you know, something (laughs) like that. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's how ghosts work, but you know, I just I don't think know. <laughs> like like if I do see one, I'm gonna see it for see them forever, you know? Like 
kind of thing. Be. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Awesome. Well, we have a lot of ground to cover, which I guess is an appropriate, it's sort of like a accidental pun to say that. Yeah, like if yeah, absolutely. About burial practices. <laughs> we, we do have a lot of ground to cover and consecrate and whatever else we need to do. Yeah. So we will get started. And yeah, we're going to talk about the history of human burial practices and what we've done with our dead bodies for a really long time. So I wanted to talk about this because we have talked a lot in the past on the podcast about how people's ideas and fears about death have changed over time. So for example, we get zombie stories as as death starts to be seen more negatively. We get vampire stories, uh, which may have been the result of people misunderstanding natural decay processes. We've talked about how the Victorians were very fascinated with death and the afterlife, but like obviously very afraid of it at the same time. But we haven't really spent much time, if any, talking about how we bury and mourn our dead. And yeah, and there's a lot of really interesting science and history related to all of that. So this is going to sort of be like a step through time from like the beginning to where we are today. (laughs) Yes, yes, this is very much my jam. And I'm excited that like, we're going to start with early humans, because I think that early humans get like a really bad kind of rap for, you know, oh, they aren't smart. But like, when you when you start to sit down and and break down like all of the processes and steps that go into like burial or sort of like the behavioral modernity that you associate with people who are doing kind of burial rituals. You're like, oh no, they're they're just like us. We just have different outfits. Yeah. I've I found sources along the way and like I find myself having to sort of step back and like remove myself from this idea of like, oh, these were like primitive people. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they had like the same overall brains as we did and stuff. (laughs) It's like they were capable of a lot of things. So yeah, it's like, it's interesting to read about it and like not, you know, sort of be, I don't know, be a dick about it, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that's a really good way to put it, right? Because there is that sort of like 19th century impulse in us to kind of look back at everything in the past and be like, oh, it was so trash. Like, you're so lucky to be alive today working in this factory, (laughs) child. Go and inhale more coals. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Okay. So when did we actually start disposing of our dead rather than just, you know, leaving them whenever, wherever they fell. (laughs) Willy-nilly. Yeah. So the practice goes back uh, a really long way, possibly hundreds of thousands of years, at least tens of thousands of years, or at least a hundred thousand years. But before we get into that, this was a little bit of a tease, I just wanted to talk briefly about who's figuring these things out. Because Yeah, there's like whole subfields of archaeology that deal with 
burials and human remains. Uh, and it's actually a subfield of a subfield because it's bioarchaeology. <laughs> the subfield of that is mortuary archaeology, funerary or burial archaeology. I sort of saw all three terms used interchangeably at various mm-hmm. points. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So things that, before we jump into like these early burials, I think it's interesting to think about things that these archaeologists are looking at when they encounter a burial site or a potential burial site, as well as, you know, things that they're looking at with the body or just like remains or bones that they find because, you know, they don't always find a whole person. So for the burial site, they are looking at the type of disposal, the location of burial, any body preparations, articulation, which I was like very confused about what that meant. So I'd look into it for, so for Mm -hmm. anyone else who doesn't know, it refers to the anatomical articulation of like joints between bones and how they shift as a body decays. So it's like the articulation of a skeleton. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Not like articulate as in how you speak. But it's important because it can help archaeologists determine if a body was moved. Like if you know how a joint between bones, how they're going to lay, if it like naturally, you know, decays away and the bones fall where they were, like you can tell whether or not the body was moved after the fact. Then it is position, which is the way that different parts of the body are positioned relative to each other. Like a body could be placed in the fetal position, for example. Mm -hmm. Deposition, which is how the body was deposited into the earth. So in my understanding, the distinction would be like the position would be fetal position and the deposition would be like, oh, they're sitting up in the fetal position or they're laid down in the fetal Mm -hmm. position within the earth. Okay. Yes. There's also orientation, which can be like cardinal directions, which obviously is just important for like mapping purposes Mm -hmm. and things called grave goods, which are things that were left with the body, like personal or ritual items. Mm -hmm. Um, And this could be like flowers or beads or whatever got left behind. So that's what we're looking at with the burial site. As for the body or plural bodies themselves, archaeologists will examine or determine sex, ancestry, age, stature, trauma, pathology, taphonomy, which apparently is taphonomy, as how the body or skeleton has been affected after death by the burial environment, so like natural things. Um, (laughs) Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like individual characteristics of the body itself and behavioral or cultural factors, which, for example, in some cultures, bodies were able to decompose for a time, and then they were moved later to a final resting place. So that's after death. Tafani is after death. And then they're also looking at like the minimum number of individuals present. So how many bodies are in Mm -hmm. this grave? So it's like a lot of things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can look at (laughs) with a body. So that's what's going on when we find a potential grave site. And I just wanted to make the point 
you know, as I was reading through all of this, it was pointed out in in one of the readings that I did that if we have an intentional burial site, you know, this is a spot that the people who did the burying, like they meant for it to be preserved. So it's like safe to say there are probably many settlements or like even entire civilizations where the only information we have about them is how they chose to treat their dead. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that makes it obviously very worthwhile (laughs) to look into and think a lot about. So it's like why, you know, all of this is probably so complex. Yeah. So back to the actual burial practices themselves. And we can dive into, or themselves, I can't speak anymore. Yes, it's yes. 9 p.m. on a Friday. Um, <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. <laughs> right into that. Okay. So, like I mentioned, this practice of burying the dead goes back a really long way. Tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of years. But we are in... The Paleolithic, which is the Stone Age. And again, I want to preface this with saying this is not going to be exhaustive because how we've disposed of our dead over time is a very broad subject. And I went into this from more so like a Western perspective of wanting to know how we get to modern cemeteries. So like there will certainly be things that we don't cover. There are very interesting burial practices that we won't be able to get to, but yes, I recognize that they exist. I recognize that this will not be exhaustive because we would be here for like yeah. 12 hours if it was. <laughs> Absolutely. Even even if we just focused on like let's say paleolithic burial yes. practices, like we we would be here for hours. And cuz there's so many cool things in the paleolithic period. I am definitely yeah. a, a paleolithic period fan. Yeah. So, believe me, like we're starting out with the paleolithic. There was a time in the note-taking process, which like literally just finished 20 minutes ago, (laughs) it's like, maybe I should just do like ancient, you know, prehistoric burials and like save the rest of it for later. Because there's so much, there's so many cool things. There's so many specific examples that it's like, I would love to spend all this time talking about this, Mm -hmm. but you know, we're going to do the overview and we can always come back later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is like we we are just entering the like <laughs> realm of 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 spooky possibilities. Of spooky possibilities. Yes, yes. for dead people. <laughs> I am so delighted to be here with you on this journey. I'm not going to lie. This is like my favorite topic. Good. Well, like I said, chime in wherever you have thoughts. Keep doing what you're doing. We're going to do great. Okay, so the first place, time, whatever that I wanted to mention is Cima de los Huesos, which again, I don't speak Spanish. So I'm like positive pronunciation during this episode, (laughs) but it translates to pit of bones. And this is located in Spain. Uh, This is a cave where hominid and animal bones have been found dating back to about 400,000 years ago. I saw ranges of like 300,000 to 600,000 years. So I think there's some variability, but it includes 
thousands of Neanderthal bones from at least 28 individuals. And it's an interesting site, and it's where we're starting because first the animal bones are mainly from cave bears, predators, and other omnivores. There are no prey animals present as far as I understand. So it's not thought that this was a site where these bears or some other predator were like bringing their kills in to eat. It's more likely that this was a place where they fell in accidentally over time, perhaps like smelling the rotting meat of those who fell before them and being like, hey, dinner's in there. And then they fall and get trapped. Oh, God bless them. I know. (laughs) There, There will be some sadness. This could also be true for the hominids that are present. Like they hear animals wrestling around there or like maybe they got trapped at one point. But researchers who have looked at the cave note that the hominid bones are primarily below the animals and concentrated in a single layer of sediment, leading some people to believe that this may have not been like necessarily a intentional burial site in like the sense of like a ritual burial practice, but like at mm-hmm. least an early disposal site for bodies for Neanderthal, which I think is pretty fascinating. Like it's this yeah. really early example of like, hey, we got to do something with these bodies. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of makes sense, especially knowing that like early humans were scavengers and would sort of eat after large predators, you know, kind of like because of the like tooth marks or I think maybe kerf marks or whatever you say on the bones. Right. So it would make sense that someone would be like, yeah, we got to get these out of here or like, you know, some guys that we don't really like are going to be are going to be coming by for our friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think it was specifically noted that there like wasn't evidence of cannibalism or anything like that. So it's like, yeah, there's a decent chance that like this was a place where bodies were intentionally placed. We wouldn't call it a burial site yet. So officially accepted burials, which are located in Africa and the Middle East. This includes the Mount Carmel and the Galilee areas of Israel, with burials dated to around 130,000 to 100,000 years ago, which is just mind-boggling. Yeah, (laughs) just crazy. And safe to say, that means that it's likely during this like middle Paleolithic mm-hmm. period that true burial practices um, with some like ritual elements that we would recognize as being a mm-hmm. burial site begin sometime between like 130,000 years ago to as early as about 300,000 years ago. So... This is where I get that thing of like, probably we've been doing this for like hundreds of thousands of years, which is super cool. A specific cave called Kefsa is noted as the oldest burial of Homo sapiens. So of us. Wow. (laughs) And the grave of Kefsa is a group of 15 people buried along with their tools and other ritual artifacts. And I should note that This one's like a little confusing for me because 
There are several sources that mention that Kefsa also has Neanderthal burials or that like there's like Neanderthal human basically hybrid skeletons in there because like we did have babies with Neanderthals at some yeah, point. Yeah. So I don't actually know. Like some just called it an outright like these were Neanderthals. Some said that it was a mix. Some said it was just modern humans. So it's like a, that one's a little bit confusing. <laughs> <laughs> to me but I feel like I don't I don't know if you saw the article like a few years ago where they figured out that there was kissing between Neanderthals and like early humans because I yeah like like that article is is my Roman Empire like I I truly cannot stop thinking about like that humans and Neanderthals were were kissing you know like modern homo sapiens like I don't know I just find that really nice yeah. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, this is like a good place to bring up that there's like a lot of debate still, I think, about whether or not Neanderthal practiced burials at all, like whether that was a thing that they did. And like, to me, some of it reads as us wanting to separate ourselves from them still and like yes. feel like we are the superior species. We beat them. It, right. And it's like, no, we just like had babies with them. And eventually there were more us. <laughs> like they just and sort them. of blended in with us. Like it is what it is. Yeah. So like we were having babies with them, like interacting with them, kissing them. Yes. So yeah, some of this I always take with like a grain of salt because it's like, I'm sure some of it, they want it to be the first homo sapien burial and like not Neanderthal, but it's like, well, it's kind of exciting that like species that predated us were doing these things as well. So anyway, good place yeah. to bring that up. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a perfect place because people do have a lot of like interesting preconceptions about early humans based in pop culture rather than like any kind of, you know, like strongly grounded science. Right. <laughs> yes. So, and this is a sad one. So I <laughs> struggled with reading excellent. about this one. Okay. Um, <laughs> excellent. No. Traumatize me. <laughs> the other oldest known human burial, and this one is like definitely Homo sapien, is from around 78,000 years ago in a cave on the coast of what's now Kenya. And this grave is of a two to three year old child. Oh. And the examination, the, the like artistic renderings of like what it looked like are just like heartbreaking. But um, examination of the body has shown that they were wrapped in a shroud, laid oh. in a fetal position, and their head was even placed on a pillow. Just <laughs> oh. like absolutely breaks my heart apart because, <laughs> like, I have a four-year-old, so it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I can just like yeah feel how much that hurt and like wanting to give them this like little safe space to lay down mm -hmm. forever. So. And the yeah. and the love in that too that that even if we will we will never know them personally yeah. we like like those feelings reach across from the distant past and yeah, just kind of right. grab us by our lapels and shake us yeah 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 I saw one of the articles I read about it 
you know, said that, you know, this was their attempt to like give their child this like lasting burial and remember them. And like now it's become like, well, we also remember their child and like feel, you know, feel for the parents and like, oh, it's just, yeah, it kills me. I wanted yeah. to cry <laughs> when I read about it. <laughs> Yeah, and it it makes me it makes me so sad, but then I'm also very glad that we did find them because one of the things that I think about a lot is how we've shifted as a society to going from like, oh yeah, we we like totally believe in ghosts where most people aren't like worried about potentially seeing a ghost, but they're worried about ending up a ghost, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so like for for this child's parents, you know, they can sort of be assured that like they aren't forgotten even if we don't know their name we remember them and we honor them yeah yeah so that one is very sweet and yeah seventy eight thousand years ago is just wild to me so wild yeah (laughs) so here's the other thing so i say that those two examples the grave of kefsa and the child found Uh, in Kenya are the oldest officially accepted because there's been some like very recent news (laughs) out of Africa with respect to burials that is potentially very exciting. So in June or July of this year, so 2023, if you are listening in the future, (laughs) paleontologist Lee Berger, could be Berger, don't know, uh, and his team released preprints of a paper and a associated Netflix documentary, which is called Cave of Bones, related to a remarkable find in the Rising Star Cave System, which is located in South Africa, just outside Johannesburg. So in a remote, difficult to access chamber of the cave, and we're talking like it's like well over a thousand meters back in this cave. It's got some really tight squeezes, at least for like someone of modern human size. Um, But they found fossil bones of a hominid species known as Homo naledi. Uh, And these were found back in 2013 by a couple of cavers. Um, And obviously they've been working on the site ever since. But Berger and his research team believe that these bones, which were put there around 300,000 years ago, were intentionally placed by other H. Naledi individuals based on the bodies being positioned in what they interpreted as scraped out hollow spots with soil placed over them, as well as the presence of possible tools, I think in one of their hands, and scratch marks on the walls of the cave that may have been attempts at artistic markings. So what makes this so incredible is that while H. Naledi looked very much like small Homo sapiens, their brains were much smaller than ours. So you know, the big deal here is that it really changes how we think about the intelligence and emotional capabilities of early hominid species. Right, right. And I have some thoughts about that in a second. But <laughs> yeah, the the grain of salt here is that this paper and the Netflix documentary were released before peer review had been completed. And like, that's, 
that's a thing that people do now. Like it drums up excitement, excitement, like, and yeah, but like, you better be sure that whatever you're saying is rock solid because otherwise you're in trouble. And like, they're not in trouble, but now that peer review is complete, they have sort of faced pretty heavy criticism for jumping the gun and people are saying that they don't have like substantial enough substantial evidence for their claims as of right now. So we are four months past when the paper was uh, initially in preprint. It has not been released yet, but the authors are in the process of revising it according to reviewers requests. So like, this is one where it's like, we'll watch and see. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I I, I feel like that like popular clip of Tyra Banks from um, America's Next Top Model, like we're rooting (laughs) for you because like I watched that documentary. Yes. And I was so excited. And like just the secondhand embarrassment that, that I get just thinking about like submitting. Oh, my gosh. Like I just feel for them. Like I'm, I'm rooting for them. But also like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I would say I have like some high hopes about the situation. I think the alternative that people say is like, you know, that they're deep in this cave. This could have been a group of individuals who got stuck in there somehow and then died, like not necessarily that they were brought into the cave by other individuals in a cave system, like it is possible that there used to be another entrance that has since caved in that like would have made access mm-hmm. easier. And, you know, right. if it's caved in, they could have gotten trapped that way. But yeah, like if it's true that they were all the way back in this cave, I mean, it's possible. It's it's certainly fascinating <laughs> to think about. Yeah, because like when you sit down and start to unpack like the process of going and finding a cave to like do art or bury someone in, Mm -hmm. there's so many moving parts. Like you have to find a cave. You have to make sure it's not Mm -hmm. occupied. You have to have light. You have to have like whatever tools or things that you're going to need in order to like do the burying, you know? And there's just so many more moving parts than what we think about because, you know, like you don't have a shovel. You have to like make the digging implement probably because I don't think H. Naledi was carrying objects with them. I think they're too early to have like made tools for like future use, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think they said it was like like a shard of rock basically like in the person's hand. So got it, got it. The other thing that I wanted to note about this that I said I would come back to is it's again like a little bit funny to me how shocked people are (laughs) about Mm -hmm. the idea that these early hominids, like despite their brains being smaller than ours, like that they could possibly be capable of like this sort of I don't know, I guess like emotional practice or like ritual practice of burying their dead. Mm-hmm. But like we know that animals that are not human engage in <laughs> what we like in things that we would recognize as like being funerary in nature. Yeah. And like and have friends and mourn and everything. Yeah, absolutely. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, we got to mention like elephants, for example, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen those stories. So elephants in particular are known to like cover bodies of deceased, I guess, group members with leaves and branches. They will go out of their way to investigate bodies Mm -hmm. that they come across, like even of unknown individuals. So like they have an awareness of death and like they even seem to mourn important members of family groups who die. So yeah. And like, that's, an animal, right? <laughs> like with a not human brain. <laughs> yeah, dolphins, which like we obviously know dolphins are very smart, but they uh in particular will stay with deceased babies for uh some time after they die. So like there's some sort of mourning happening. Um chimpanzees, which like obviously are very close relatives to us, but like are probably, I don't know, similar levels of closeness of like us to H. Naledi. Mothers will carry and continue to groom their deceased infants, like up to like as long as the point where the infant is essentially just like no longer recognizable as, you know, their baby anymore. It's like that's, that's mourning. Like those. <laughs> Yeah, like that is morning behavior. Yeah, that's like an emotional thing. And it's like, okay, so, I mean, elephants essentially are are almost there to like burying their dead with covering them with leaves and branches. So, yeah, so it's, it's mm-hmm. yeah, I it bothers me sometimes when people stress like, oh, it's just so crazy that their brains are so tiny and they could do this. And it's like, well, not really, like... <laughs> I mean, your brain is so big and you're being so dismissive, so. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think the more amazing thing is, like, this is potentially 300,000-year-old evidence of burial practices, which is super cool. And just, like, seeing how hominid species operated for a long time. Yeah. It's very cool to think about that we have such a long history. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, well, we're going to make some jumps now. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) From the Paleolithic to later on. And some of these will just sort of be like some random things of like, hey, here's when these things started just for for reference. But, you know, in the interest of, again, not being here for 12 hours. So the oldest evidence, so we're at like circa 100,000 years ago with the oldest accepted human burials, then we can move forward to the oldest evidence of cremation, which dates back to about 40,000 years ago. I will be honest about this one. This is like one of those notes I took very quickly from a source and went back to verify it and like get a little more detail. Couldn't find it at all. (laughs) 
and like Googled oldest cremation and it gave me dates closer to 20,000 years ago. So there's a there's a chance that I'm lying to you right now, but either way, I don't know that that to me sound sounds about yeah. right for for humans to be doing that yeah. kind of thing. So like, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say like my historian senses agree with okay, you. Okay, good. <laughs> well, yeah, like it, you know, forty thousand burning a body like that doesn't seem like too unreasonable of a thing to do, yeah. or like a somebody had the idea of like, you know, what's a great idea to like get rid of this fairly quickly. We're going to burn it. Um, (laughs) I mentioned that again, this is like a little bit of a Western civilization centered discussion because we had to narrow it down. The oldest European grave that has been found is known as the red lady of Wales, which dates to about 29,000 years old, which is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. We're going to jump again. I, I'm jumping because like, I think we're kind of doing the same things for a long time. Like we're mm-hmm. burying people in the ground and that's how it's working and or we're doing. Yeah. So that's why we're jumping a little bit. Around 10 to 15,000 years ago, we get some of the first communal burial sites that are centered around permanent settlements in North Africa and West Asia. So like now we're starting to get people, we've moved on from like hunter-gatherer, we're nomadic, we're moving around to like, we're building permanent settlements, we're putting down some more roots. Um, An example of this is the Scythians built grave mounds called Kurgans. So we, yeah, get some early examples of grave mounds. Mm -hmm. The establishment of Mesopotamia around 6,000 BCE in what is now Iraq is one of the world's first civilizations and a key step in the development of Western civilization, but is also an important step in terms of burial practices. So if we're defining what a civilization is, and I'm sure you have a better definition for this than I do. Yeah, sure. But here's how I understand. Civilization means a society that has a writing system a some form of government, the ability to produce surplus food, division of mm-hmm. labor, and urbanization, which I sort of take to like they're building cities and homes and all this stuff. Fair enough. Yeah, I would say um, my only tweak um, would be to shift to saying record keeping rather than writing because you have societies like the Inca, Uh for example, where they keep records with like the knotted Uh string. And there's this whole myth in um, China that like the guy who invented writing was like tasked by one of the ancient emperors to be like, yo, we're tired of using this string thing. Like you got (laughs) to... You got to invent something else for us. And that's where like Chinese characters there come from. <laughs> so, yeah, like like some type of record keeping, specialized labor, a surplus of food. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it tracks that we start to get a bunch of people in a permanent location. So like generation after generation is living there. It's getting mm-hmm. more crowded. We probably have to have like a little bit more of a plan of what we're going to do with the people who die. <laughs> yes. I think it's not just like, oh, we're going to place them in like this nice cave in the woods near us. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, yeah, we got to have a plan here. So in some 
prehistoric cultures, I guess the dead were buried in their homes along with their belongings to take with them to the next life. They were like, hey, here's where you live and you died here and we're just going to close that up and that is it. And like, I relate to this because like, I have a 3% interest rate on my mortgage. So like, I might as well just be buried in this house. (laughs) I'm never leaving it. (laughs) No, that is, that is absolutely how I feel about like, even the prospect of like buying a home, like this is going to be the home that I'm in forever. And and like I was I was talking to my students about this with the um there's a Neolithic city called Katal Hayuk. I am saying that so wrong. I'm so sorry, everyone who's ever spoken Turkish. And but yeah, and it's just really interesting because they have these like burials in the uh-huh. home and but they're not related to each other, if that oh, makes sense. Oh, okay. So like the bodies seem to all be different people at different times because of like the strata of where people are buried kind of thing. And it's absolutely fascinating to me to think about like, yeah, someone will die and then you will just be walking on top of them in your house, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like, yeah, it's not till later that we sort of like really start to separate from like where we keep our dead. Like I think for a really long time it was like, you know, death is a part of life and like they're just going to be around. It is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. And it's very strange to, to think about like today we sort of accept that, you know, people die in hospitals or away from yeah. home and that there really isn't like a set time for you to like sit with the body or, or you know, like even t- touching the body yeah. or for most Westerners and, and having any like a close acquaintance with uh-huh. death. It doesn't seem to fit into most people's modern sensibilities, but it really is like a huge rupture in sort of our overall human experience to not kind of be thinking about death or the afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's like maybe very Barbie movie of me to bring up, but (laughs) you know, I'm always thinking about death. Like, ab- absolutely. I-, I saw that preview and I was like, Barbie, when am I not thinking about death? <laughs> to be honest, girl. Yeah. It's probably unhealthy. Yeah. So, yeah, like you mentioned, like there are other places where this is happening. We've got prehistoric cultures who have been doing this. And this practice of burying people within their homes is continued, at least for those who were not royalty in Mesopotamia. So people would be buried beneath the family home. And it was very important to them in their culture that the grave be maintained and like important that they were buried there because I guess the Mesopotamians were very worried about ghosts, which I sort of love. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like the I'm so sorry You're to fine. interrupt, but can I tell you like the oldest yes. ghost story? It's from yes. Egypt, right? And and it's about this guy who he's like a priest and I'm telling the story so badly. <laughs> but but it's because his family doesn't maintain his tomb that he becomes yeah. a ghost. And when you look at kind of like the overall Mesopotamian like sort of outlook on life because their gods are not very uh-huh. nice. Um they honestly kind of make Zeus look pretty functional. <laughs> 
Um, I, now, now that I say that, I have a friend who's an Assyriologist who's going to be like, girl, that was so rude of you. Um, but I, I said it. It's fine. And um, But they have this like very YOLO kind of outlook because the afterlife for Mesopotamians is not a yeah. paradise. They talk about this in the Epic of Gilgamesh that sort of like you go to the house of darkness and you serve the gods and you like turn into this winged beast. And it's all very interesting yeah. that they would still care. And I like that, you know, it's, it's what makes yes. us human. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, they, they were very suspicious about ghosts and they yeah like if you didn't take care of your family's graves if you didn't bury people properly they would come back as a ghost and they would like cause problems for you like your health your life whatever i think that's just great that they they thought this <laughs> so that said so we're we're burying people in the home but like this custom of just like burying somebody in the home is also I mean, it's just naturally where we get the idea to build tombs because a tomb is just a home for someone in the next life. And obviously elaborate tombs are quite important in several cultures like Egyptian and Chinese come to mind here. And, you know, they give you lots of things to that you're going to take with you or that you're going to need in the afterlife. Additionally, the Etruscans built elaborate necropoles, which are cities of the dead, uh, which I, you know, never would have guessed that necropole was the plural of necropolis, but here we are. Um, (laughs) These are cities of the dead that have like thousands of tombs laid out along gridded, quote unquote, streets. So that's pretty awesome. Like, I want to go visit one of those for sure. <laughs> yeah, I do too. That sounds very cool. So, yes. So, in Mesopotamia, that's where we start to get tombs and and we're, we're giving somebody a place to live in the next life. Okay, moving along. The next jump in, I guess, burial practices um, on our way to cemeteries <laughs> Uh, seems to come with the Greeks and Romans. And I will admit that like at this point, like Mesopotamia is like China and India. Like we're, you know, you've got the whole like idea of like cradle of civilization. Like we're like in the beginning of civilization, at least Western civilization and cities and all this stuff. And like everything sort of explodes after this. So it's like, this is sort of the point where we got to like pick a road and stick to it because otherwise there's yeah. so much other stuff. Otherwise we're, we're, we're going to like spin out and just go nowhere, but everywhere. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much going on. Again, there are all these other practices going on, but um, on our way to cemeteries, the next big jump seems to come with the Greeks and Romans. Uh, Importantly, by this time, we have established the tradition of marking graves or tombs with uh, the name of who was buried there. Like we've got decorative stones or whatever to mark there, to mark it. And we've got, uh, they're also including, you know, whatever honors are due to them. And this is also about the time, as far as I can tell, where we start to really get the establishment of cemeteries. And I guess sort of like around this time, maybe a little earlier, later, like you've got 
what they call quote unquote grave fields. So like not quite official cemeteries, mm-hmm. but like if we're talking official, this is a plot we've laid out like to bury our dead. This is a cemetery. We start to get it with the Greeks and the Romans uh, building tombs or graveyards at the edges of their cities. The word mm-hmm. cemetery itself comes from the ancient Greek word for sleeping chamber. Oh, yeah. The Greeks actually transition from group tombs to individual graves at some point. And I guess they sort of go through like a little, you would know better than me, like what happens here. But (laughs) there seemed to be a period where like things were a little more democratic, a little more egalitarian. And like you actually start to get, you know, lesser I don't know what we would call like middle class or lower class people able to afford mm-hmm. to have an individual grave. And then that sort of like flips back at some point. But yeah, so there's like this whole thing. Um, <laughs> if, if you if, if you if you go back and you look at like the ancient historians like Thucydides, for example, they talk a lot about how families will use kind of burying their dead at the edge of town. Um, as sort of a way to advertise family wealth. And so they're building like these big um, mausoleums or like these very elaborate plots to kind of sort of say like, here, here is how we can care for our family. Mm-hmm. Like we have enough resources mm-hmm. that we can not only care for the living, but we can also care for the dead in these very elaborate kind of ways. And Actually, sometime around after the Battle of Marathon, I can't believe I'm pulling this out. Like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> um, the Battle of Marathon, you you see this transition to where like the dead aren't taken from the Battle of Marathon. They're all kind of like interred there um, where they okay. died. But the Greeks are really extra about like bringing their men home from battle and burying them. And there seems to be this movement to kind of push people away from having these like really sumptuous, lavish kind of tombs with, you know, like statues and I don't know what else they would have there to kind of flex about their family's resources and wealth in order. I don't know if it's like to to kind of show like all Athenians were like mm-hmm. equal to each other or whatever. But the Romans also have like a very similar kind of thing. Like it might've been Plutarch, or, like one of those other very stuffy old <laughs> men um, that I read, you know, that's like, Oh, these kids these days wasting their money on their graves and showing off. Like we Romans don't, yeah. you know, <laughs> those darn kids kind of stuff. Gotcha. So like the politics of who gets to be buried where and how they're buried is like huge. Mm -hmm. And like the back and forth can tell you a lot about a society and how like unified or disunified they are depending on how much regulation of like the the dead and their rituals and things like that. Like, is is there a lot of tension between the different classes, like the citizens and Mm -hmm. the non-citizens? Are they expecting like a huge uprising? That kind of thing. It's just, it's interesting to think about. Yeah. Well, and it also explains why, like, as I was looking at this, I was like, oh, that's really cool. They transition from group tombs to like, we get individual graves and then we get this more like egalitarian, simple, you know, burial and and just like more mm-hmm. like traditional cemetery graves that we would think of now. And then I was like, oh, never mind. It goes back <laughs> yeah i was like this is a really beautiful transition and then i was like nope (laughs) 
Nope. Well, because a lot of that also has to do with like in the middle of Greece's wars with Persia, or no, I'm sorry, it's the Peloponnesian War, my bad, um, with Sparta, where like there's this terrible outbreak of uh-huh. plague. So they have to like really change up what they're doing with their dead because the Athenians are already kind of like on the ropes fighting Sparta. And you know, it's it's a long war, it's hard and it's terrible. And so like there's uh, Pericles' funeral oration. I don't know if you've ever read not. that, but like Pericles talks about like how anyone in Athens that's born a citizen can become something, mm-hmm. you know, and the idea that like everyone is equal in death. It's like some really excellent propaganda for their city state that endures even now. But part of me is like kind of jaded and thinking like, now nah, y'all just did that because there was like a <laughs> like yeah, they, it it wasn't like democratic of you or anything, but you know like, but nice way to yeah, fight. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, that is the Greeks sort of I don't know inventing cemeteries, uh, but Romans yeah. also practiced uh, both cremation and burial of their dead. Although I think they tended towards burying their dead and they found it very important to bury them outside of the city walls because they were worried about disease and viewed the bodies as like polluting the city. They would eventually also set aside specific areas, cemeteries for this purpose. Um, Although at one point things get really crowded and we construct some catacombs as well. (laughs) Rome doesn't do anything small, ever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. Kind of our next step here, we're getting to the end, is Christian burial practices take over in the Middle Ages. And in medieval European cities, we get graves in churchyards. So like the stereotypical... (laughs) (laughs) churchyard, graveyard. Um, We eventually transition to larger suburban cemeteries. And this is like really when we start to like head towards the modern world with individual graves becoming more affordable. Of course, during the Middle Ages, we still do see the use of mass graves in times of crisis or the construction of structures like the Paris catacombs when things just like get too darn crowded (laughs) or there's like a lot of people dying really fast and people are worried about getting sick. And I guess the last thing that I wanted to leave people with on our like little historical road to cemeteries (laughs) is that cemeteries were not always a spooky place. They were used as public gathering places. They were used as parks. Like they were essentially our first public parks. And like this is true in America as well. Like cemeteries and like that sort of green space plays a really important role in us getting the idea to like start building parks and like eventually preserving big tracts of land to make the national parks, which I think is pretty interesting. But yeah, apparently farmers would graze their cattle in cemeteries saying that they produced sweeter milk (laughs) from the grass that grew there. I was like, imagine, imagine that marketing scheme today. (laughs) Spooky milk. But you know what? (laughs) 
If I wasn't lactose intolerant, I would absolutely drink that. Like, I know that for a fact. (laughs) You know what? And and like, even though I am lactose intolerant, that doesn't stop me anyway. Like, I'll be real. I mean, like, spooky season milk. Let's let's do it. I Um, would would be the person that's like, no, I I will absolutely be in your group to like taste test if this is like better. Yeah. Although to be fair, like, I can't remember exactly at what point this is happening or like, and, and we didn't have the time to dive into like the history of modern embalming practices and the coffins mm-hmm. and everything and, and caskets that we use and stuff. It's like, well. Oh, yeah. And like the, the 19th century and like its relationship with death is absolutely so wild. Like you could you could do an entire podcast show like. Yes. For, for years <laughs> on just like the 19th century, everyone being weird about death. Yeah. Point being like the the chemicals that they use to like embalm people now like maybe i don't want to have milk from cows that have been grazing from my grass yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly maybe yeah maybe not yeah. um yes and then just like personally to me it's just always a little so it's a, cemeteries weren't always spooky but like personally it's always a little funny to me how creeped out people are by cemeteries um yeah it's like I mean, I guess, like, we don't love having the reminder of our impending death, (laughs) but, like, they are, like, they can be pretty beautiful and nice and peaceful, and it's like, here's the thing, headstones and burials and all that stuff is, like, freaking expensive, so it's like, if I spent all this money to have a beautiful headstone, like, you better believe that I want people to come visit it and check it out. Yeah. And, and and like check it out and to remember yeah. me. Yeah. Like I'm I'm a member of the big historical cemetery here in Atlanta. Oakland Cemetery is supposedly haunted. Yeah. <laughs> but I go there, you know, like I would say like a couple times a month to go walk uh-huh. around and like they have beautiful plants and all kinds of like great programming. I, I genuinely love the cemetery. Yeah. And like why not? <laughs> why not? Um yes. Okay, well, I mean, that's kind of like, that's the thoughts that I have. Do you have any final thoughts on burial practices through time? Anything we like didn't cover in our little journey that you were like desperate want to (laughs) say? Well, I mean, especially when we talk about like Roman burials, Roman burials are a really interesting way of getting at because like the Romans, if you were not a man, they're just like not interested in you unless like talking about you could prove a point about (laughs) a man. And so um, gravestones are actually a really wonderful way to find out about the lives of Roman children and women and kind of their relationship with their family. So if you're, if you ever just like need to feel something, just Google like Roman epitaphs and you will feel something where people will be like, yeah, this was our daughter and she died when she was 16 and she is our beloved. And, and it's that same feeling that you got when we were talking about the burial in Mm -hmm. Kenya, Um, you know, like the child being wrapped so carefully and it reminds me that like the roman empire with all of the memes and everything lately that the roman empire just isn't you know like a bunch of dudes and swords or whatever but that there were real people yeah and that you know and it, it gets out of humanity that sometimes i think we lose a hold of when we get too enamored with like 
the armies and the <laughs> engineering, you know? Yeah, there's definitely, like, you know, history has been, like, too often claimed by the, like, dude bros who are super interested in, like, war and conflict and all this stuff. And it's, like, that is very interesting. But, yeah, there's so much more humanity there and just, like, all the stuff that reminds you, like, that these are just people just like we are and experiencing the world around them. And I think that's really, that's really beautiful. Yeah. And, and even though like death is filled with a lot of unknowns, it is also an interesting way to kind of get at and have a through line to sort of help connect Mm -hmm. to the past because I've been working on a class that's like, like a year long class that's about like the history of sort of death and like people's attitudes about burials and whatnot. And I've been trying to figure out a way to explain to people why we Mm -hmm. should care and why we should talk about death and how we remember each other um, and the people that we've Mm -hmm. lost because it is so taboo now, despite the fact that, you know, we we've confronted death in very, very real, very terrible Mm -hmm. ways over the last few years. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. You know, and it's worth exploring. Well, that's a great way to wrap it up. And again, there are lots of places like if you want to get the feels about like historic death and stuff like that, I'm sure they're going to follow Amy on TikTok is a good start. There is another uh, woman on TikTok who uh, is she's like Steph, the archaeologist. I'm sure you follow her as well. Yes, I love stuff. Yeah, so she's at Arch Thought, so A-R-C-H-T-H-O-T, but she does a ton of simple videos just, like, doing the same kind of thing, like, talking about how somebody was buried or, like, how their family members memorialized them or talked about them or epitaphs like you talked about, and it's just a lot of it is so beautiful, but also you might cry. So mm-hmm. fair warning about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely cried when, when Steph talked about how she will sing to the the Aww. children that she is working with in the lab, like, like she'll lock them in and she'll talk to mm-hmm. them. And I, I just love knowing that there are people like Steph out mm-hmm. there that, that even as we're doing this like very important scientific work, that they still have so much love and care Mm -hmm. for people in the past and understand like this is someone's loved one and we're going to treat them with respect and kindness Mm -hmm. for for as long as we are working with them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And she's definitely referenced to like talking about, like talking about how I think like being that way and like applying this, I don't know, like very like feminine or even like motherly energy to some of this, like has gotten her criticized before, but it's like, it's so nice though. <laughs> no, it's, it's so, it's so lovely. Um, especially because when I talk with students, um, because we read a lot of books that include like archeology span in them and they're like, well, what gives us the right to kind of dig this up? And I'm like, well, not everyone is terrible. And then I I talk to them about like staff and I'm like, I would want staff to find my yeah. body, you know? And I, I think that there are more, more people like that in archaeology than we realize yeah, for sure. that, that have that love and respect for all of humanity. Yeah. That's so essential to doing good science. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, 
Thank you so much. No, this was so much fun. Like I, I've been geeking out all day long and thank you for letting me go on like r- long rants about whatever else. This is such a delight and I love your show oh, so good. much. I'm, I'm such a big fan. And now here you are. <laughs> and, now, and now I'm on my favorite podcast. It's totally, totally fine. Totally normal. <laughs> well, this was great and I really appreciate you joining me and um, I guess remind people one more time where they can find you, stuff like that. And yeah, then we'll sign off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys can find me on TikTok under my full government name <laughs> on Amy Menlapis. That's also my Instagram. And Amy is spelled A-M-Y. My last name is M-A-N-L-A-P-A-S. And you can also find me at my website, amy-elizabeth.net. Um, I'm always around. I'm very easy to find online. Um, and feel free to like hit me up and request videos um, about, you know, like spooky history or you know, things that you want to ask about, but someone says, hey, that's like really weird. Please <laughs> ask me the weird question. Yeah. Like I'm I'm dying to talk to you about cannibalism or whatever. <laughs> I know. We should just like do a whole episode on cannibalism at this point. <laughs> Honestly, that would that would be my dream. I have done so much reading <laughs> about cannibalism, like in my spare time. Well, I will pencil you in. Please hit me up anytime. <laughs> I'll pencil you in on the future topics list for like Amy really wants to talk about cannibalism. <laughs> I, yes, ab- absolutely. And like, and my students know it too. They're like, oh yeah, it's Amy. Like cannibalism's going to come up. And I don't try. Like it just, it just yeah, happens. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I know. We didn't even like have time to talk about like ritual cannibalism as a burial option, you know? Practice. Yeah. Oh yeah. And there, and there's so many interesting things, especially with like the middle mm-hmm. ages and all of the laws that are passed about like, you can't eat your bro. <laughs> And how much of that is about like, oh my gosh, I could talk about it for hours. It's so fascinating. Like I said, the the subject of death and burial and all the science and history and everything that goes into it is very broad. We will be coming back to it. We will come back to like modern forensics and burial practices, all this stuff. So this has just opened yeah. the door to all that. It's, 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 it's a whole new morbid <laughs> world. That wraps up our episode on the partial history of death and burial. Join us next time for episode 72, our annual Halloween listener stories. If you liked this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. Check the show notes for links to all of our social media accounts, our Discord server, and Patreon. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookyScienceSisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.